0: Hi, welcome to adulthood pending podcast. I'm Annalise. I'm
1: Brittany. And I'm Kimmy.
0: We are a podcast for college students, recent graduates or anyone else who's also figuring out that being an adult isn't as simple as it's made out to be. Join us each episode as we share how we are navigating our careers, postcard lives and the whole adulting experience. The episode you're about to listen to was recorded in two parts. The first part was recorded a couple weeks ago before the presidential election, and the second part was recorded on Saturday, November 7th, 2020, the day that we learned the results of the presidential election.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Today's episode is going to be a little bit more serious as we're going to be discussing politics, how we've navigated difficult conversations with family members, our experiences of discussing or not discussing politics in the workplace and how our own personal background has informed our political beliefs. To start off with, we're going to start with another fun question. So as I mentioned, this episode is going to be about politics. And while this might not be political, but while it is controversial, I'd be curious to learn your unpopular opinions. So my unpopular opinion
3: would have to be that I think it is okay if not. Should be mandated. Christmas <laughs> decorations should be up in as early as September.
1: September.
0: Oh
3: my goodness. Wait.
0: Okay. Follow up question though. When should they be taken down?
3: Oh, definitely before um, July. <laughs> no. Before New Year's. Really? Oh. I just, okay. You don't want it. It's just like you know, broken promises when you just see that Christmas tree and it's not oh, Christmas. My God. <laughs> you know. It's just like what could have been, but it's not. Like I think the saddest day of the year is December twenty
1: six. Is that when you take <laughs> everything down?
3: Is that no? It? But no. But you, um, no, because I'm usually lazy. But <laughs> I like it down as soon as possible because I'm just. I just don't want to see you know my reminders of Christmas of what it's not anymore. The good times. Is that why you like them up, or you think it's okay to have them up in September? Because y- yes, most definitely. I love, like, in Target, when they put up school supplies, mm-hmm. and there's just this one row of Christmas lights. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh my about?
2: gosh,
3: yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, bring that baby out, you know? <laughs>
1: um, my... Wait, I wanted to touch on what Britt said. Oh, Kimmy has so many um, thoughts on this. All right. Yeah. Roast me. Okay.
3: <laughs> Roast me like a chestnut.
1: So just to... <laughs> Just to comment on what you said, Brett, I don't know if you've seen this, but like I think I read something like consumers or just people in general are putting up Christmas decorations <laughs> earlier because of COVID. Like they want to get in the holiday spirit oh. at a quicker time. Oh.
3: So, Kimmy, I thought you were gonna initially say, like, call me like consumer
0: capitalist. Oh, like, yeah. I really? was like, You're gonna go that going? direction. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, my unpopular opinion is that I like the ends of sliced bread. No. Yes. Like, you, it's...
1: if you see the whole <laughs> loaf, you will take the ends instead of you the You know middles. what's
0: weird is that, like, well, no, I'll eat the middles, but, like, every once in a while, I'm like, you know what? I really, like, want a piece of that end. <laughs> and, then I'll, I'll, <laughs> and then I'll toast it and I'll eat it. because She it's takes... Like, <laughs> No I, it, if you think about it it's like it fits perfectly in the palm of your hand because it's curved slightly <laughs> and it's not a full <laughs> slice it's <That's laughs> like a half slice brittany looks so disgusted right now in what i'm saying do you
3: do you just like cradle bread exactly from the palm of your hand do like you, you don't not? hold it with your you don't hold it with your fingers when you're eating toast or well, hold when, it when with- i'm like spreading bread you know Oh, like what's not sorry when
0: I'm spreading like butter, peanut butter, or like whatever. It's Wait, like, so you're it...
3: saying you would take the end off a loaf of bread, take out the whole entire loaf of the bag <laughs> to get the other end of the bread? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just cut another hole. Oh <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I
0: don't do that. I don't do but that. I don't do
1: that. But would kidding. you? Okay, you don't. No, but do I you wouldn't. Want I.
0: <laughs> no, but like you know when like you get to a certain number of slices. There Mm -hmm. it kind of like tumbles over because it's no longer in that loaf form. Yeah,
3: then it's like easier to get it. Oh, I see. I see. Like, yeah. Do you think it tastes better? Or so the full thing of why you like it is because it fits very well. It fits,
0: and it's not like sometimes I don't want to eat two slices of bread, but I don't want one, so it's like a one point five.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) All right. Well, that's the first time I've heard that. Shook her head. No unpopular (laughs) opinion. Great. My unpopular opinion, I didn't even know it was unpopular until I was just, you know, at my college with my laptop out and people would see that I would use iCal religiously and they would just get so offended <laughs> that I wasn't using GCal or Google Calendar. But
2: I don't know. Okay, I like using iCal. I can see that though. No, no, no. I can totally the get that. <laughs> oh. Mm, I don't
0: know about, mm, well, okay i can see that though as like someone who has a macbook and an mm-hmm. iphone i can see why it is useful especially if someone like like our school didn't have a gmail exactly I had an outlook which makes sense for me but that's also coming from someone yeah. who also uses like how. Oh, sorry i mean now i've had to Brittany, adapt brinny is like wincing she's frowning she does not like this
3: at all <laughs> no i just okay I the one part I was floored by with Google Calendars is they put an appointment for a haircut and they give a little cartoon of a haircut. Oh, I was like, true. this is oh, they beautiful. Do? Yeah. Yeah. And they do little things too, like brunch. They'll do like a little, you know, brunch spread looking cartoon. It's just so aesthetically nice.
1: I mean, I don't need this cartoon.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm what's joking. the point? You just said iCal is
1: aesthetic. Okay, I, mean, I, I understand. Ooh. When when I did use GCAL for my work and I saw those little icons, I thought they were nice. But here we have it. Oh, okay, it's okay. No. I'll probably convert <laughs> over. No one uses ICAL, so one day I will convert. Probably in the next year. One day, but Sad. not
0: today. Mm-hmm. So to
1: start off the conversation
0: or the topic of politics in today's episode... I'm curious to know when was the first time that you remember or recall being either involved or more involved in politics?
1: Oh, okay. I was trying to remember a specific moment because I knew I had one. And what just crossed my mind is like after the presidential election of 2016, around Mm -hmm. campus, there was a bunch of protests that were happening. And that was like Mm -hmm. the first time where I was like, okay, first of all, (laughs) Let's rewind. The night of the election was just a mess, right? Everyone thought Hillary had it in the bag, which just wasn't true. And then the day after, like, the campus was, like, mourning, basically, Mm. this decision or, I guess, election that had happened. And some students started to organize um, protesting against the election and against the president. And I, like, that was my first political protest. And I found mm. it to be like very cathartic to just be alongside with other people who shared my same beliefs and just kind mm. of like yell out in anger to the world what I felt. So yeah, I guess that was first year when I felt like I was politically inspired. That was
0: your first year? Oh, I guess that was yeah. your first year. That so was, was a rough... Alert, yeah. oh.
1: That's why people say like the class of 2020 had it rough because we got into school and the election happened. We left school. Coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah
0: similar to Kimi actually I think my first time that I remember being involved in politics was also my first year so 2015 and it was also a protest there was a protest at our campus because mm. one of the deans at one of the mm-hmm. colleges that we were at basically told a student of color that they didn't fit the mold mm-hmm. and that was a mm. That sparked some outrage, obviously, because they were like, what mold are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And so they organized a protest, and I remember that I went to it, and so that was my first time being involved in politics.
3: Nice. So I feel I kind of got more interested in politics and current events, I would say, my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. I started reading more news articles to prepare for college interviews. Oh, Oh, smart. Yeah. So... But one thing I think was interesting was I think a lot of my political views became more, I would say, refined in college during my participation in the same organization that we all met in. It was a program to mentor Asian American students at our school. Mm -hmm. And I remember there's this case that came up where it was a Chinese officer who killed a black man and is in new york and there's so many protests about it and i remember in high school is um the officer's name was peter liang Mm. in high school i remember thinking there's so much injustice for peter liang he's such Mm -hmm. a scapegoat like white officers don't get prosecuted for this but Mm. i remember talking about it in that program for that training week and became more nuanced in the sense that I thought these ways because of internalized anti-blackness and Mm -hmm. just different factors that I never really thought about. And so, yeah, I think that was when I first kind of became exposed to um, more nuanced political topics and ways of thinking. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely. That's cool that your perspective shifted over time. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was just so it's it was really interesting because I remember feeling very cool and being like, oh, I have strong political beliefs mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like knowing about current events mm-hmm. back in high school. Mm-hmm. But then coming to the realization that maybe those perspectives weren't fully flushed out and I mm-hmm. wasn't addressing all aspects that I could have when approaching that very political topic at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: As we mentioned in the last episode and a few of the others, we all attended a liberal arts school, which heavily influenced our ideas and beliefs today. But since graduating, going back home or going to a new place, even a new workplace where you can't necessarily rely on the fact that all of these same ideas are going to be shared with people, we found it challenging or just different to figure out how to navigate these conversations in a place where not everyone agrees with you. So all of us had a little bit of a different experience going from college and then either moving back home or going somewhere new. But specifically, I was wondering how is that transition from college to home in regards to talking about difficult subjects with your parents, with coworkers, with friends that you might now disagree with? specifically referring to the fact that our political climate has become super polarizing since Donald Trump has been elected. So it seems like it's been a lot harder, at least for me, to navigate conversations because just some people's beliefs I strongly disagree with, and I feel like in a way they're just attacking who I am. So I was wondering if you feel similarly or how that transition has been for you.
0: I think for me, I'm lucky enough that the place where I work has very similar views to my own in terms of politics specifically. So I haven't had to have too many conversations there. But at the same time, it's tricky because it is a workplace and you want to keep things professional. So Mm -hmm. I guess the ongoing struggle for a lot of companies is how do we provide a space if we even want to for employees to talk about these issues because you know it is important it is a part of our lives and they shouldn't be ignored Mm -hmm. but how do we also maintain professionality professionalism Mm -hmm. how do we maintain professionalism
1: yeah I understand that I recently started at a new company and it's like of course hard to gauge what the political climate is especially remote and they're based in the east coast which is like I mean, just different than being in a company that's, like, in San Francisco, where definitely mm-hmm. probably leans to being liberal. But yesterday, there was one of the biweekly allyship and action events. And I guess these are events where, like, employees talk about culture or mm-hmm. basically anything where, like, they believe people should be allies, two or four. Mm-hmm. So this, this, like, event in particular was, like, Hispanic and Latinx heritage. And Mm. I like didn't know anything really going into it because I've only been working there for two weeks. But I was like Mm. bracing myself for someone to say something problematic. And luckily Mm. no one did. But Mm. I was just like, oh my gosh, I just felt so anxious the whole time. Because, you know, if someone did say something problematic, I would want to respond naturally. But Mm. within the work environment and within like 30 people on Google Hangouts, is that the right thing to do? I don't Mm -hmm. know. And like there is this one question that one of the employees asked where it was like, how can we be better allies? And -hmm. something I really wanted to discuss is that I feel like, yes, you can be an ally and like being a good friend or having more diverse friends. But really, like to me, allyship is also done more through actions like politically, like choosing policies that are going to help people in minority communities. Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's really great to that your workplace has a bi-weekly meeting or discussion for allies. That's something that my workplace also does. We have different Slack channels for discussions and how to be better allies, which is something that I've really appreciated. And even though I'm not particularly vocal in those channels, it's something that I like to kind of occasionally read through to see mm-hmm. what other people are talking about. So it's nice for me at least. I again I feel really lucky that the place that I work is a place that has similar views to my own where I do feel in ways like supported by my beliefs and feeling like I can talk about certain topics that I may not feel as comfortable
1: talking about in other places. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Actually, a conversation that I had with Eric the other day was similar to this topic. So I'd be curious to learn your perspectives. Like I had an experience before where one of my work environments like literally did not touch on these topics and i thought that mm-hmm. in a way that was almost worse than having some mm-hmm. sort of discussion or having at least the majority of people agree with like what progressives agree with mm-hmm. um so i was just wondering like what type of environment do you think you would be happier in one where there's no discussion at all or one where like there is a discussion but a majority of the discussion aligns with your beliefs
0: or i guess and the third option is a place where there is a discussion but people don't align with your beliefs that's right? true mm-hmm. i guess for me probably the second option where mm-hmm. we have a space for this discussion there is a room to talk about these political issues social issues and so forth where People agree with, but I think that also is on a scale like mm-hmm. someone could agree with you to a certain extent, but not completely, and I think that that still allows for growth and for good good discussions because say you think one way of like say you and another person both have generally more or less the same view mm-hmm. if there's a specific particular point that you disagree with, you could talk about that um, but I definitely do think it's for me, I would be happier in a place discussing this than in a place that like never touched on it and pretended that it didn't exist and that it
3: wasn't a factor at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So personally, um, I'm currently I would categorize my workplace as the first one where there's mm-hmm. pretty much zero discussion mm-hmm. about political topics, and I have to say, I not to say I prefer it. But I'm quite content with it just because, Kimmy, like you said earlier, I feel when people disagree with my pro- um, political views, I take it very personally mm-hmm. and mm. um, I react very intensely, which I know would not fly in a professional workplace.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. Also, my I think my workplace is very small and so... There isn't really not a lot of initiative to kind of teach these kind of values and topics in such a when it's like nine people. Mm -hmm. And I have to I think there is a part of me from my younger self back in college when I was very involved in activism and engaging in topics about social justice and more politicized topics There is a part of me that kind of feels guilty that I'm fine with going day to day without talking about those things just because Mm -hmm. just because I think those topics would be very difficult to have with the type of work environment I have, Mm because I just know that the people um, would more or less disagree with with my own opinions Mm
2: -hmm. and.
3: I don't know that's just something that's I have kind of reflected on because I think to some degree I really feel like I'm not enacting the same type of activism that I was such um, an advocate for when I was in college mm-hmm. but at the same time I don't know, I feel like I couldn't do much for these people at my work. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. it's I don't think I'm the best person to change their mind about these things just because Mm -hmm. I know how I carry on conversations about more difficult or controversial topics. So yeah, that's just something I've been kind of mulling in the fact that I am in this very apolitical atmosphere and Mm -hmm. able to thrive. And I haven't really come to terms with that with my past self of in college when it was something that was such a big part of my daily life. Mhm.
1: I mean, I definitely understand that in a work setting it is really hard to be political because like we're all entry level and like these mm-hmm. people basically have the power to fire us if they wanted to. And like yes, it's illegal yeah. to fire on political beliefs, but like technically there could be some other like rationale that people use to get you fired. Okay, I'm not in HR, but this is what I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming that it would work. Um, or like not even get fired, just not treat you as well as they did previously without knowing your beliefs. Like maybe just something as small as like not assigning you the best projects mm-hmm. or like prioritizing you after other people.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
0: like the idea of punishing you for exactly. speaking up or for saying certain things that maybe don't align with other people.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: So there's a speaker that um, I heard at school once, and he said something along the lines of politics start in your immediate circle. So if Mm -hmm. you're not doing your best to try to educate those people closest to you, and Mm -hmm. by that, I think he meant primarily family, but I think that can apply to friends and coworkers, Mm -hmm. then you're not really doing your job as An activist or Mm -hmm. someone who's actually cares about social justice, and so I'm just curious, like, what you two think about that? Especially because Mm -hmm. I think the people close to me are a good number of them are just so stuck in their ways. Like, I don't know how to have conversations with people who I feel like I can do whatever I do isn't going to change their mind about certain topics.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I guess there's the line of like, I mean. I think, like, I haven't yet had any experience of where someone, like, heavily disagrees with me. Like, I've had some experience where it's, like, slight, but we still agree on, like, core issues. So, in a way, having those conversations has been easier because there's at least, like, one unifying belief. But I understand what you're saying because I definitely know, like, or I definitely can understand where if you're trying to have conversations with some person and it's just not getting through to them, at what point like should you stop in order to like salvage that relationship? Because, mm-hmm. you know, assuming that like they are a family member, someone close to you, I would assume that you treasure that relationship and wouldn't <laughs> want it to be broken through like talking about politics.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think these co- conversations or discussions with family is in ways more difficult than with friends. At least for me mm-hmm. growing up, I didn't really talk about s- politics, um, social issues with my family. Mm-hmm. I did with my sister, but honestly, like I don't even know exactly where my parents stand politically because mm-hmm. it's just something that we don't fully talk about in detail. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like with friends, it comes up. M- more because i guess the friends that i am with i've in ways like i'm I'm friends with them because i have the same beliefs and views as them yeah so it's a lot easier to talk to them because i know that's where they stand Mm -hmm. i so i guess my point is like it's easier for me to talk about these have these conversations with people where i know where they stand politically Mm -hmm. socially but going beyond that, the conversation gets a little bit more difficult. Where it's, where it's, hard because I don't know if it's. At what point do I, stop trying mm-hmm. to convince them, or mm-hmm. trying to to show them a different perspective?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Annalise, I feel similarly to you. Um, I feel like I normally have political skewed conversations with people I'm close to in terms of similar views but I don't Mm -hmm. know part of I feel like I've always had a sense of guilt or just thought that maybe I was somewhat performative in my activism when it came to having a conversation with someone I really disagreed with like of course Mm -hmm. it's easy to have conversations with people who support you and kind Mm -hmm. of just build up your ideas but Mm -hmm. when it comes to having difficult conversations I kind of shy away from that and I was wondering if you or if you Kimmy too felt like you're not doing enough Mm -hmm. um because you I'm assuming Kimmy you also have a lot of conversations with people who have similar views Mm -hmm. I guess for me one thing
0: that I try to do before having these conversations is i try to educate myself first because Mm -hmm. it's not efficient if you go into a conversation with someone who disagrees with you and both of you are just kind of saying your opinion rather than stating facts Mm -hmm. or having things to back up your arguments
3: Mm -hmm. but also annalise you find yourself when you're looking for facts you're just looking for things to confirm yourself to back up my yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I realize I do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like hard because
0: if I were to find facts that didn't go with what I aligned with or to actively find those articles or those sources, I feel like that it would just kind of enrage me or rile me up that it's like, Mm -hmm. why would I Mm -hmm. actively see this thing that will disagree with my own opinions and like get me all riled up when I could not
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> why would I put myself through that emotional labor right
1: mm-hmm. I mean I think the hard thing now is too is like yes the U.S. is becoming more polarized but also just like the idea of facts and something that Eric my partner mentioned a few days ago is like even facts and like where you get them from can be so political so like mm-hmm. you could bring up something from like a science journal right? and someone could literally say i don't believe in that resource like i believe yeah. in fox news like i've never personally had this experience but i could see that happening just because there like are different institutions that have these values that might not be mm-hmm. the values that you align with
0: yeah i've had someone tell tell me that science is political after i would think i was talking about like i was either talking about coronavirus or climate change and <laughs> they're like science is political and I'm like oh, oh, are you serious that. right now
1: as a way to like s-
0: kind of explain
1: to why like they were- not
0: really listen to what oh I had gosh. to say Ugh.
3: yeah I think it's yeah. so easy to like dismiss people um that don't agree with me just by saying like they're just not correct like I find myself doing that too yeah like I think it's easy for me especially to say to family members oh you got that from Fox News like that's 100% incorrect. I'm not even going <laughs> to listen to you at this point. And right. I don't know. I feel I know that's such an unproductive way to go about it. But at the same time, I don't know what else to do when, like, that's what they believe and this is what I believe. And exactly. if there's no common ground, even when it comes to science, like, what? <laughs> like, how yeah. does that come into play?
0: I guess so. When I think of like difficult conversations, because we haven't really fully clarified that, it's, in my head, what I go to is like the kind of conversation about Black Lives Matter that I had with my family members, mm-hmm. and that was a tough one because one of my family members they kind of had like the argument that I feel like a lot of us have seen on news like or the internet where it's like, oh, you know, if only he hadn't struggled, if only he complied, mm-hmm. um and I'm just talking about like George Floyd specifically, like, oh, if only George Floyd complied to the police or mm-hmm. oh, he had a fake bill, so he was a criminal and it's it's just frustrating but i find that in those situations what i found to be most productive was to kind of let them finish and mm-hmm. let them fully explain their process of like their thinking mm-hmm. and then to it would then give me a chance to respond but not in a way that I'm attacking them like I find like Mm -hmm. if you attack someone they get extremely defensive and it just ends up becoming like a huge argument about you're wrong no you're wrong Mm -hmm. as opposed to like okay let's take a step back you said this that's a good point but and then you kind of give them a response
2: Mm -hmm. in that way and
0: I found that type of conversation to be more productive. Mm -hmm. And it takes and then I'm not saying like you have one conversation and you're done because Mm -hmm. it will keep coming back. And in my case it has keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And it it, at a certain point it does get frustrating because I'm trying so hard to like keep calm and like give them a chance to speak and then kind of then respond. But then at a certain point it's like, listen, we're having the same argument over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. At what point will we Move on or come to an agreement, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's challenging, but I found that, like, you know, trying to keep calm and listening to what they say and then giving your side and, you know, backing it up with facts or with other sources helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to have this conversation ongoing rather than, you know, have it be one and done. Because you can't really wrap everything up in one conversation
1: Mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. So in my eyes, it seems like this conversation was successful in the fact that it's, like, continuous. Like, there's been other moments since then where you've continued to discuss this thing. But do you think it is successful? And, like, also, did it impact your relationship at all with this person?
0: I don't really think it was successful. Okay. I think only because, like, I mean, because it is ongoing, right? And it's not, yeah. like, something that they, that they openly received that's true which was been hard and now whenever you know this conversation comes up again Mm -hmm. things are a little tense
2: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah I also feel like success is hard to measure because at least for me especially well with more nuanced problems I think it's hard to define success as like something between Am I, did I prove my, did I prove my point? Do you understand that I'm right here or? Or do
0: you actually understand and now believe or have Mm -hmm. similar beliefs, right? Yeah,
3: or like how we come to the same conclusion of like Mm -hmm. the ideals that we're talking about here. And Mm -hmm. more often than not, I do admit, I think I don't measure anything as successful past. Yeah. Do you, um, do you agree with me? And do you know why I'm right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And maybe it's like every, Like, a, don't know, a reimagination and like redefining of our idea of success. Because I do agree that Brit, I'm like, like either all or nothing, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's just like that both sides actually understand where each other are coming from.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know, like. I know, but I feel like it's so easy to also
3: be like, okay, I know where you're coming from, but it's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's so true.
2: I understand
3: why you think this way, but you shouldn't think this way.
1: So, so far we've talked a lot about speaking with family members or coworkers with things based in politics, but I know like at least growing up, I just heard this saying like, oh, it's taboo to discuss things mm-hmm. like politics, religion, or money. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, it seems like as we've gotten older, maybe it's just like us growing up or the environment that we're now growing up in. I feel like these things are talked about all the time.
2: So do you think
1: that that is, I mean, I think it's pretty productive, but would you agree with that? Or what are your general thoughts on this kind of cultural norm shifting?
0: I think, so I think it is good because it's in ways like, It has to be talked about. You can't ignore. I'm speaking again specifically like politics. Like you can't ignore Mm -hmm. politics and social issues. Like this is what's happening in your life, in your community. And it affects so many people around you that you can't ignore. it. It's a privilege to ignore it that I don't think, Mm. that I think you need to address. And especially Mm -hmm. as adults, you have to like understand your impact and your influence. And you can't not have an opinion anymore. I feel like, Mm. I guess like just growing up Mm -hmm. isn't really something that we talked about yeah as much because it was like a very private and personal thing yeah Mm.
3: but why do you think that was just so people wouldn't fight at the dinner table
0: (laughs) I think so yeah Mm -hmm. well I think I also wonder if it's like that whole idea of like that perfect family of like a a husband a wife a son and a daughter Mm, you know what I'm talking about that perfect yeah the perfect American nuclear family and Mm -hmm. they didn't want to tarnish that image by having people argue or have um, conversations surrounding disagreeing viewpoints Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just want is like it's kind of sad how that's so rooted in Mm -hmm. the fact that it's just gonna people know it's going to end up in an argument or some sort of non-productive conversation (laughs) so
0: but i had someone tell me that like it's in those situations where you know it's, t- it's going to be tough is where you need to have the conversations the most.
2: Mm-hmm, because everyone sure. can like
0: very easily talk to someone who agrees with you and be like, yeah, don't you agree? And they're like, oh, of course.
2: Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's when
0: you talk to someone that you don't agree with and it's really difficult, I feel like, especially if there's someone close to you, I feel mm-hmm. like that that's something that you, those are the topics that need to, those are the conversations that need to be had.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I will say though, like, after having some of these tough conversations with my family there have been times where they've come up to me and they're like hey thanks for telling me your side and it's yeah and it's like for me I'm like oh thanks for listening because it's it feels Mm -hmm. productive in that sense Yeah. and something that like my parents have said to me is like hey you've really grown up and oh "Oh, I'm getting emotional (laughs) they're like (laughs) they're like you've really grown up and
3: (laughs) and oh I'm gonna cry now (laughs) <laughs> wait are you kidding no, no i can't i can't watch people it's cry happening. i'll cry too this is
1: through zoom she's still, and at least like
3: never cries.
1: i never cry well I, she's so small i can't see if she can if she is. Anyway,
3: anyway in her voice <laughs>
0: um my parents have told me like since growing up they're really proud of like me forming my own opinions and Mm -hmm. being able to talk to them about politics and social issues and it's we've definitely had more conversations now than when I was growing up
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and I just like still wonder how much of that is rooted in like today's political climate or us growing Mm. up because I remember when I was in school my younger brother is like three years younger than me and since. It was during the time when things were shifting. My parents would talk about like the election or Donald Trump in a negative way all the time. So like my younger brother had these ideals and like mm. he would talk about it like as if it was his own. And I was like, wow, that's mm-hmm. really great because I didn't necessarily have that growing up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, it could just be like Gen Z <laughs> because they're all mm-hmm. very politically motivated. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I just like don't know how much of it is really attributed to the environment or just us growing up? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I will say, I feel like I was just more apt to have difficult conver- or political-based conversations growing up when I went to college and mm-hmm. was able to kind of hold my own. Um, and that's something I've kind of have a complicated relationship, I feel like, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like especially with my family who I disagree with one Mm -hmm. defense tactic I often use is like classroom talk and by that I Mm. feel like it's like I'm using very big words oh I'm using Mm. terms and phrasing things in a way that makes it very difficult for my first generation family members to Mm -hmm. understand and Mm -hmm. so Oh my god, I don't know why I'm getting emotional, too. Oh. <laughs> I because Annalise is emotional. isn't
2: really is emotional.
3: Um, well, it's complicated because the reason I'm able to have these conversations and speak the way I can through my education is because um, my family obviously supported me to mm-hmm. go to college and mm-hmm. get the education I was able to graduate with. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of really complicated because like i'm kind of using things i just knew that they didn't have access to in order Mm -hmm. to make my point Mm -hmm. which i don't know to a certain degree i'm like what's kind of the point if my experiences wouldn't have been possible without um their work and like their struggles Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think
0: you bring up a really good point, though, because I think, you know, we do have we do come from a privileged background of being Mm -hmm. able to go to college and get an education and specifically a liberal arts college where we were immersed in this environment where we were given the opportunities to have like these resources and these conversations Mm -hmm. to help educate us. It's something that I've thought about, too, like in terms of where I stand versus where my parents stand because mm-hmm. they didn't have that same privilege that I have. And so it's you know, it's something that I think about when I have political conversations with my parents because mm-hmm. I have to understand where they're coming from before yeah. I, you know, go in and no I I don't want to say attack, but like attack their viewpoint. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. You know. But King, I'm curious then like how what yours background is and Mm -hmm. or your experiences because you did mention that your parents have some review points to you
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so I think it's like that's I guess like that's where I differ between you two um we're gonna go Mm -hmm. more in depth on like race and our backgrounds in another episode but just to give some background of myself um I'm like mixed Asian and Mexican And on all sides, I'm like a myriad of different generations, but not first generation. So I think because of that, because my parents were born here and like Mm. understand American politics and culture really well, Mm. we do align on like a lot of the same things. So that's made, I don't know, this whole time being at home really easy because something like, bad in the world will happen and we'll just I'll be like wow that's kind of shitty right um Mm -hmm. but like I know that there's other family members that don't necessarily have those beliefs and I haven't yet like approached these discussions with them because I feel like a lot of it is like the core belief that I just don't align with like I'm not necessarily a religious person by any means Mm -hmm. And, like, religion just can be very, like, the end-all be-all for some people, which I think Mm. can be helpful in, like, life for people. But I think when it informs people's decisions so much to the point where I disagree on something like abortion or, like, electing, Mm. um, appointing Amy Coney Barrett to, like, the Supreme Court, like, Mm. I can't necessarily, I feel like if someone is so rooted in, their ideas of religion guiding their life in like every aspect I can't necessarily say well I think abortion is good for these reasons because like my reasons are not going to triumph theirs by any means Mm, that's interesting Today, we just found out that Joe Biden is going to be president, Um, so we wanted to speak a little bit about our reactions of this long and tiresome election process and our thoughts about moving forward into 2021. So going into this week, we basically knew that it was going to be a very long process just because of the mail-in ballots and because the overwhelming amount of people that had already voted like I think in some states it was even higher than the previous election but I had no idea that it was going to take this long like almost a week to mm-hmm. find out the results but something that I felt to be very comforting was that the week before the election my manager like texted us and was saying like oh you should go ahead and make sure that you're voting on Tuesday like feel free to take some time out of your day to do that and also like she didn't say that she was for a certain party or not but she was just saying like um I'm personally going to be distracted this week by the election so it's understandable if you are and I thought that that was very helpful Mm -hmm. to know like all of us did work we did get our things done but just to have that sort of emotional support
0: yeah the same kind of sentiment was um echoed at my workplace I think it was just kind of understood that no one was really going to get a lot of work done today or the whole week Mm -hmm. and I think that it was a really long week and it felt like it was never ending, honestly. And I think like a lot of things that I've seen is people questioning, like, why was this process so long to begin with? Like people mm-hmm. thought it was going to be a landslide. So why was it that the race was so close? Um, there's been a lot of things, I think, on social media just about how people have viewed this election and the results of this election, both good and bad. People are saying like, OK, clearly this is our democracy working because we're counting every single vote Mm -hmm. and we're letting people we're making sure that everyone has everyone's voice is heard through their ballot.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But the other sentiment is that this race was extremely close and it in ways was almost, I don't really think, well, I don't want to say more divisive, but Mm -hmm. it was because people, it was really clear which side you were on Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some one sentiment that I kind of saw was like, if the fact that there are so many trump supporters still and people who voted for trump mm-hmm. should be a telling sign of where we are in, as a country mm-hmm. and you know people have been saying like if you know someone who voted for trump or if you know someone who is a trump supporter you should just cut them out of your life because they're basically in ways i think the idea is that they're supporting someone who is just so morally wrong mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. i think that it's it's been really divisive and polarizing just to see how Close the election was.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, like, yeah, people are really excited. I, I'm really excited, but in a way, people are exhausted, I think, just yeah. like by how long this process took.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And how long it feels like it's going to take, like with yeah. perhaps lawsuits or I don't mm-hmm.
0: know. Lawsuits, recounts. Exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And, to touch on what you said about people, I think, cutting out people who supporters of Trump. Um, I really think that's not a one size fits all solution to things. Mm -hmm. Um Mm -hmm. yeah, if you want to cut out people in your life who do support Trump and that serves you well, I feel like that that's great to do. But I also think you shouldn't castigate people who don't have that luxury of doing so.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And Mm -hmm. it's hard because even that stance I feel like it's divisive and my this opinion right now is against a lot of people's opinion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that just really speaks to how how it's very black and white how things are set out and mm-hmm. um if you're not on one side you're automatically against the other like there's no mm-hmm. nuance to things and so I think that's been really hard to navigate during this time
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think you bring up a good point like some people they just cannot cut them they don't mm-hmm. have that luxury to just cut people out of their lives like yeah these are people who might be your um, your parents, mm-hmm. your your cousins, your your nieces, your kids. Mm-hmm. Like it's not always going to be super easy um, mm-hmm. to to do.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. even like your coworkers, your boss. Like those mm-hmm. are like you can't cut those people out of your lives if you're working with them. Yeah, right. Which makes sense, in, like why politics might not be discussed in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is unfortunate that there is that rhetoric that's going around right now because it in a way almost feels like it's ignorant and like not understanding that there are other factors that play into relationships outside of your political beliefs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think that there sometimes is like a misunderstanding, like I'm no, in no way defending Trump supporters, but I think there's sometimes a misunderstanding in, po- in politics in general, like if you support B- Biden, you support all of his policies, and same goes with Trump. When that's not necessarily the case, like I think a lot of times people just pick and choose and what they like in candidates and choose to ignore the rest. Mm. And I think just seeing this week how the states still are really divided is just a sign in that our government has failed to help so many people. Mm. Like you can even think about it on like an educational basis. Mm. Like if people that are blue are ones that tend to be more educated, then maybe this is because like people Mm. also aren't being educated about these beliefs and why it is important to have something like healthcare for all or to not be racist. You know, like these are simple things to us. But if you haven't gotten exposure to it, then how can we expect people to understand?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I think the other sentiment that I've been seeing is that like those who vote for Trump, again, not saying I support any Trump supporters, but that they are basically the argument is that like you're saying that his racist actions, his sexist actions, like all of his moral issues are not a deal breaker for you. Mm -hmm. And that it says a lot about your character, not even necessarily like about your political beliefs, but about the fact that you yourself cannot set that as a deal breaker. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So this all makes me think about um, there's this Christian Lesson or ideal that essentially you would think that the quote unquote good Christian would be the one that's so pure that does nothing wrong. When in mm-hmm. reality, it's better to have experienced challenges to your faith or experience the temptation of the other side, but still choose to go back mm-hmm. to what you think is right. Mm-hmm. And so, I think this is really applicable to this political climate in that. I don't think it's the right thing to surround yourself with people who just solely agree with you. I think it's healthy to have people that kind of challenge your beliefs
2: mm-hmm.
3: and bring different point of views because that just reaffirms your you going back to what you really believe in really just reaffirms you actually you know wholeheartedly believe in this thing in these mm-hmm. things and want to make change and so I feel like at least when you're talking about cutting people off that people who take that to such an extreme i think Mm -hmm. i don't want to judge their reasoning for it but there's a certain level of um privilege to that in that they're able to just surround themselves with people that just reaffirm what they believe in in that sense you're not making change you're not necessarily bringing the good ideals that you stand for to other people
2: Mm
3: and. I feel like that's really important now because what are we going to do going forward? Like, yeah, Biden's president, yeah. but there's people who still wholeheartedly want Donald mm-hmm. Trump to be president. And like, what are you going to do? Just not talk to these people forever for the rest mm-hmm. of your life? Um, mm-hmm. Even, you know, when the next president Republican nominee is, isn't Donald Trump, like, are you just going to hold that against people like your entire life? I don't know. That's just yeah something. Kind of not productive to me, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think what's like especially especially challenging is that like someone like Trump is just he is just so morally wrong. He's super racist. He's super sexist. He is super anti a lot of things Mm -hmm. that people automatically associate anyone who's Republican to that exact same Mm -hmm. viewpoint. When that is not true, like not all Republicans are racist. Not all Republicans Mm -hmm. are sexist. But that is what Trump has made it seem like Mm -hmm. which is super divisive and I think that that's something that you know just navigating these political conversations and to like you were mentioning Brittany it if you're really like someone who believes in these things you know if you if you have like the ability to you should try to show someone like the right side of stuff Mm -hmm. like you should tell them and like teach them why racism is bad like it shouldn't you shouldn't just like cut them out and just let them live that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's I think that that's something that that we also need to think about as well.
3: Yeah. But I will say I feel like there are instances where it is totally justifiable to cut out certain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say it's a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just not the cure all solution.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I saw somewhere earlier today where it was like there isn't it's not even about democrats versus republicans it's democrats republicans and then there's trump like Mm -hmm. you can be a a republican and not believe in any of trump's like moral or like agree with anything that he says but Mm -hmm. you can still believe in like i don't know like his tax policies or whatever but to still completely disagree with him as a person
3: Mm -hmm. so is that justifiable though (laughs)
0: well not justifiable but like there is now. I feel like it's not even a two-party system. It's just a three-party oh, I see, system. I see. Like yeah. Trump and then yeah. Democrats are Republicans.
2: Mm. I
1: mean, you could also. I mean, I just feel like just having the two parties is really um, limiting and like yeah, who we is. can actually elect into office. Because even though the blue party, the Democratic Party, right now is the most progressive it's been, it's still very moderate. And like a mm, lot there's of definitely a scale. Exactly. And like a lot of liberals were settling for Biden this year. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I don't know. It's just kind of frustrating that it is set up this way.
0: Yeah. My mom has a theory that things work better in threes. So she's like, there should be a third <laughs> party, like a triangle. Like, I mean, there like, is the it's Green Party. <laughs> more balanced. Well, yeah, but I know. It's just too bad. Yeah. Mm. But on, in, a, in I guess, in other news, we have our first female vice president
1: yes ever. it's
0: exciting
3: and person color. of color vice president and person of color exactly mm-hmm. yeah.
0: she's madam madam vice president
1: mm. oh yeah <laughs> yeah i think it is really exciting i think it was definitely i don't know if it was radical but it was pretty cool when biden said that his vice president was going to be a woman um and he declared mm-hmm. that pretty early on and just like looking through, I think there's eight people that he was considering and all of them were very qualified. And then he did end up picking Mm -hmm. Kamala, which I know initially in the liberal or progressive community, there was some controversy around that, which I do agree that like no politician is great and that they can't necessarily fulfill all of our needs. But I do think that having a woman vice president can be very impactful on our nation and i know something that she Mm -hmm. discussed was um i think it was a cnn interview and the interviewer asked her like about her like race and being a woman and how that would play into being in politics and she answered the question Mm -hmm. saying like yes i am these things but i'm not necessarily limited by my label Like I am Mm -hmm. just like Kamala and I am going to bring all of these experiences with me to the White House. But I think what is going to be most important for me being in this position of power is that there will be some representation and young children will be able to look up to me and see that's what I want to be. And it is achievable rather than having this history that we've had of all cis white males in the White House.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm excited that, you know, we have more representation in the White House. I guess my fear now is that a lot of people are going to only view her as Mm -hmm. a woman, as a woman of color and Mm -hmm. not really care about the things that she does or like just view her as a, as just, you know, a politician or like a human, Mm -hmm. but just Mm -hmm. only see her as a woman of color and like always use that narrative, which I mean like, yeah, okay, representation, but like she's not limited to that label. Mm
3: Yeah. Yeah. You don't say, like, white male Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> no, Let's 46 <laughs> white
1: males. Be, not 46. 45th white male to yeah. be elected. To <laughs> yeah. Because that is so true. Like, just reading my notifications this morning, everyone is like, oh, yay, Joe Biden. Joe Biden's elected. Yeah. Then afterwards, they trickled in Kamala Harris, the first black woman, the first Asian woman. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, like it it is exciting that she's the first, but like that shouldn't just be her narrative. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll progress over time.
3: Yeah. So to conclude, we're going to go in our segment where we just talk about some advice or reflections we have, um, that we talked about from this episode. So, um, Annalise, what are some things you'd like to leave our audience with? Yeah, I think
0: it you know, electing Biden and Harris to be in the White House is is a step in the right direction, but it doesn't stop there. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. they voted and they think that they're done. Um, I don't think you should stop there. I think you should continue to be political and continue to be involved in your community and be involved in, in politics. But just to continue to learn and continue to to participate and to be involved. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, for me, I feel like enacting your beliefs um, can look a wide wide variety of ways. And either way doesn't necessarily reflect, I guess, the intensity of how much you care about it. So like maybe it's cutting off someone just to sustain yourself and take care of your own needs is what's needed to do. I don't think that you're automatically giving up on trying to prove your point and therefore, you know, enacting your ideals. And on the flip side, I think it's okay to push your ideals on people, and it's okay to not come to a direct conclusion at the end of that and both mm-hmm. are, I think representative of your passions and your beliefs
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I think this past week was really cool to see so many people like keeping up with politics even internationally. I know people were looking at the us election um, <laughs> but I think it's a moment like this where we are so American in that I feel like people mm-hmm. that I know that aren't necessarily politically motivated this like week, they were paying attention to the TV screen 24 seven. Mm-hmm. So I think beyond elections like this, it's important to be aware of just what's happening day to day in the world um, outside mm-hmm. of the U.S. as well. So like mm-hmm. what I want to definitely do is I felt very politically motivated in this election. But I think in upcoming elections or even local elections, I also want to like educate myself more on what's happening and just have that same passion that I did have for this 2020 election. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So thank you all for listening. And thank you for all of your
3: sweet comments and participation with us through our social media. If you can, we would really appreciate it if you were able to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That just really helps our recognition. And you can follow us at Podcasts on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn, or Pod on Twitter. You could also send us an email to hello.adulthoodpendingpodcast at gmail.com. Join us every other Monday for new episodes. We can't wait to share our stories and are excited you're with us on our adulthood journey.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye.